Jesus has planned his return. However, Pastor Xavier Reese explains, it will be as a thief comes in the night. No man knows the day or the hour of his coming. Listen to Matthew 24, 36. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. There's a lot of things I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. But let, let's get caught up in what we do know. The believer is to be living for Jesus, depending on Jesus, and pointing people to Jesus, not trying to figure out the coming of Jesus. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Having recently just finished a series of the Old Testament Minor Prophets, we've heard that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ draws ever nearer. But today, Pastor Xavier returns to the day of his ascension from the earth in order to examine the very last instructions Jesus had for the Apostles. He'll be drawing out the important simple truths, not only of his second coming, but promises for all believers to live by until that day. Let's listen. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 11. The apostles, having been with Jesus and having heard him for three and a half years, now are standing at the Mount of Olives here with him for the last time. And this is the most important meeting, marking the transition of the life of Jesus on earth to heaven in order that Jesus would live through the church. This is a very important meeting, the very last one. Let me um, read here, and we'll see what the last meeting with Jesus consists of. Verses 4 through 11. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The apostles' last meeting with Jesus is characterized by the following. First, the apostles' last instructions by Jesus, verse 4 and 5. Secondly, the apostles' last question to Jesus, verses 6 through 8. And then the apostles' last sight of Jesus, verse 9 through 11. Jesus was assembled together with them, Luke tells us here, all 11 apostles. Uh, Luke has told us also in his gospel, the last chapter, Luke 24, 49, that he's going to send the promise of the Father. This only confirms what he is talking about. This is the third person of the Trinity. The Father is the first person who sent the Son. The Son is the second person who has sent the Holy Spirit. And both the Father and the Son are responsible for sending the Holy Spirit. It is very, very clear. One God, three persons. The mystery of the Trinity. 
If you can't handle it, it's okay. All you have to do is believe it. God's revelation. Notice now Luke adds a little more detail. There is no contradiction between his gospel as we've seen the last chapter and the opening of Acts. Jesus had given them commandments already, we saw in verse 2. Jesus had presented himself with many infallible proofs in verse 3, the beginning. And for 40 days he was speaking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom. In preparation for his leaving. Now, notice Jesus commanded the apostles not to depart from Jerusalem. The word commanded is a military term. And it means to give strict orders. They were obedient to the command. Now perhaps Jesus saw in their hearts the desire to return to Galilee. As they did prior to the resurrection. Remember Peter says, I am going fishing. They would go, okay Peter, we'll go fishing. And then Jesus from the shore said, little children, have you caught anything? Yeah, that guy, hey, that's the Lord. Busted. <laughs> the very mention, do not depart could imply this. We know they're a human like you and I. We know their past conduct, right? Even when God says through the scriptures, stop being afraid or don't be afraid, the implication is you're afraid. <laughs> now, notice Jesus told the apostles here in verse 4 still, to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from Me. So it isn't hearsay. He spoke to them. As you know, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he taught his apostles about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. He was the comfort, the paracolera, the one to come alongside. Not to, to do the work for them, but to do it through them. To remind them, to teach them, to bring things to remembrance, to convict the world of sin, or righteousness, and judgment. He is the representative of Christ. Jesus would send the Holy Spirit and not leave them as orphans, he said in John 14, 18. And then after he said, I will not leave you as orphans, he said this, I will come to you. Wow. I'm saying the Holy Spirit, I will come to you? Yes, because the Holy Spirit is a representative of Jesus. He never speaks of himself. He's a silent witness. When people start glorifying the Holy Spirit more than Jesus, get up and get out. The Holy Spirit says nothing about himself. He's a silent witness, you understand? He's a representative of Jesus. Look at verse 5. Jesus gave to the apostles the interpretation of the promise of the Father, so there'd be no mistake. Jesus distinguishes the baptism of John... From his own baptism in the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, interesting that John baptized with water for the witness of repentance for sins, as you know. Water baptism symbolizes death. It also symbolizes cleansing, purity. Water baptism identifies with the life of Christ publicly as an evidence of what has happened in your heart already. It's an answer to a good conscience. Paul makes this very clear in Romans 6, 4 through 7, the type of death, being raised in Christ, and 1 Peter 3, 21, it's an answer to a good conscience. Water does not save you. Water does not forgive any sin. Water is just like a birth certificate, okay? That's all it is. It's all it is. It's not anything that makes you holier. It's not that anything makes you really saved, okay? Now, notice John declared the difference between his baptism of water and the baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus made the distinction, but John made the distinction way before. Listen to John in Mark 3.11 and Luke 16. They're the same. John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
So there's a clear teaching more than once to make sure we do not make a confusion between the baptism of water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Water, anybody can baptize. Man does that. The Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. No one else. In fact, John one thirty three, John says, I did not know him, speaking of Jesus, but he, the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, John, his cousin, said, He's the one. Now, notice Jesus here declares they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from then. Ten more days. Jesus would fulfill the Old Testament Feast of Weeks as a counterpart to the giving of the law 50 days after the Exodus, after the Passover. Leviticus 23, 15 through 22 tells you that. Every Old Testament feast looked forward to the fulfillment. The giving of the law 50 days afterwards, the giving of the Holy Spirit 50 days afterwards. The Passover, the crucifixion. They all have parallels. Jesus would be true to his promise about the coming of the Comforter. They were to wait patiently. You remember Jacob? He obeyed his mom instead of waiting on God to see how God was going to give him the blessing. And therefore, he added much hurt to his life. Waiting. Man, we hate it. How important it is that each one of us make our decisions in seeking the Lord. And really, if you know the word of God, the majority of our decisions are already made for us. We just have to live them out. There are those times when we're seeking it for wisdom for certain things. But if we know the word, the majority of our, our decisions are made. Believers get um, impatient with waiting on God for a mate sometimes. Um, and it becomes a driving force rather than um, being directed by God. And so they're always looking, is this the one? Is that the one? And, and, and they're seeking that. And the Bible says, seek the kingdom of God in Israel. Then everything shall be added to you. You know, rather than um, trying to play the guessing game, just build normal relationships. Isn't that what we did in the world? You hung out with somebody as a friend, and then it became more than a friend, and then, you know, and you asked them out, whatever. But, you know, let things grow normally. Don't make them so mystical. Believers get ahead of God, and they bail out of marriages uh, instead of waiting on God and not departing. Today, divorce in the church is real easy. In fact, I was talking to a man just two weeks ago. He came from another church, and... Uh, was on staff and all that, and, and he says, yeah, my wife is leaving me, well, what are your grounds? He says, well, there's not, then you go back, you don't have no grounds for divorce. It's amazing. And they believe the lie of Satan that it's, it's going to be this bad for the rest of my life. No, it's going to be that bad as long as you don't die to self. As long as you're not obedient. You cannot do anything about the other person, but you can do it about you. And how I've seen faithful men and women hang in there, obedient to God. And then God at times does release them when they have biblical grounds. Or at times God will save their mates or change them. Or even when their mates have divorced them, they remain faithful to God. And then God brings them back. But the usual is people get ahead of God and they do their own thing. You settle for second, third, fourth best, you understand? Sometimes Christians let go of their jobs without having another one already set up to replace it. And they think they're stepping out in faith, but it's foolishness. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
Did you notice the order? It begins in heaven, reaches earth. Doesn't begin earth and goes to heaven. You got to look to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And the Proverbs are filled with good counsel like that. The promises of God for the child of God are many. Let me give you just a few. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews thirteen five. He will never leave you or forsake you. The question is, will you? He says he will give you wisdom if you ask. Listen to James 1, 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Categorically, straight across. He says he will always give me the way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to bear it. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Wow. I hate that verse. And I love that verse. I hate it because when I don't take the way out, I'm at fault. I love it because I always have a way out. He says in Second Peter 1, 3 through 4. His divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. How many? All things. Not some things? All things. Through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. All things. All that God allows to come into my life. As a Christian. I can handle if I walk in the Spirit, if I resort to the promises in the divine nature, the question is, will I? I cannot blame God. He has not put a heavy burden over my life. He has enabled me. Very important. The apostles' last instructions by Jesus were in preparation to reach the lost. To reach the lost. Now notice, secondly, the apostles' uh, last question to Jesus is given to us in verse 6 to 8. Very important question. In verse 6, the apostles asked Jesus if he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, before we get too down on the apostles, let's think through this, okay? The apostles were Jews, and they still had the Old Testament mindset of the present age and the age to come that God had promised this is why John and James had sought the left and the right hand of Jesus in Mark 10, 35 through 45. And Jesus denied it. The kingdom age was to be characterized by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We've seen it in Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, 37, and many other passages. So in their mind, they knew the association of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom age. So they weren't making a far-fetched mistake. What they were missing was the timing. And we'll see this. Like you and I do so many times. <laughs> Knowledge is only part of it. Timing is the other. Look at the word restore. It means to its former state. The age to come under God's theocratic rule. Putting the enemies of Israel under his foot. Psalm 110 verse 1. The apostles were expecting a political earthly kingdom then, as promised by God in the millennial. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. 
Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48, we've looked at everything. The worship, the temple, the sacrifices. But notice they said, at this time, underline that. The word time is chronos, running linear time. They were expecting the kingdom immediately. We get our word chronology, chronological from it. And notice the apostles didn't understand the church age completely then. The Holy Spirit or what God was about to do. Jesus before his resurrection, listen to him in John 16, 12 through 14. Told them that they would not understand many things until the Holy Spirit came. He warned them before the resurrection, listen to him. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit never speaks of himself. He never contradicts the word of God. He never adds to it. He never takes away from it. Now, after the resurrection, listen to Jesus in Luke 24, 45. He opened up their understanding regarding his death and resurrection as a necessary event to take place for the preaching of the gospel, repentance, and forgiveness of sins. It says there, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. The context is his death and resurrection is suffering. They knew that after he opened their mind to that, but they didn't have the understanding about the kingdom of Israel. We know certain things, but there's certain things we only know part about. And something we know nothing about. You understand? As Christians. It's very clear here. They did not comprehend the timing. They knew the kingdom was to come, but they didn't understand the timing. Notice the kingdom had already come in the person of Jesus and the gospel. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 26 to 29. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Luke 17, 20 and 21. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. The kingdom of God is present. And yet to come. It isn't in its complete form. It will come when Jesus returns in its complete form. At the return when he sets up the earthly kingdom. In the kingdom age for Israel. An earthly kingdom. The church is part of the kingdom of God. But in contrast is looking for a heavenly kingdom. And will reign with Jesus during the millennial kingdom as we've seen. We're glorified. Israel occupies the lands. Marries, has kids. And they have to repent. We're glorified. The word kingdom appears 144 times in the four gospels. 31 times from Acts to Revelation. It is key in the ministry of Jesus. As well as the disciples. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, they're synonymous. There's basically no difference. Now, notice in verse 7. The Lord answers the apostles by telling them two things. He answers the question. His first answer focuses on the date of the restoration of Israel. Listen carefully. Here goes the date. Ready? The genitive, the Greek scholars tell us here, is used. It did not belong to them. That's what he tells them. <laughs> the kingdom age was not their concern or their business. 
It's not for you to know. The word know, gnosko, means to learn, to get knowledge, to understand. And again, the Greek scholars tell us it's the eros infinitive. It tells us to actually know. They knew about it, but it's not to them to actually know all the particulars, the exact timing. You understand? I know some things about certain things, but I, I, I know some things about electricity, but I don't understand electricity. That's why I don't mess with it. The apostles' inability to comprehend the program of God of the kingdom age was reinforced by two words. The word for times. Chronos. There it is again. Chronological, linear, running time. And the word seasons. Kairos. Which means specific seasons or periods. In other words, Chronos. The year of January to December. Running time. Kairos. Winter. Spring, summer, fall, special periods. You understand? He says, neither the running time nor the specific time is your business or your concern. You as a parent and I tell our children's time, don't worry about it. That's what God is saying here. It didn't concern them. They were Hebrew Christians, the church. They weren't involved in the kingdom age. As the church. Now, the second answer of Jesus focuses on the authority of the Father for the restoration of Israel. The Father had put it in his own authority, exousia, which describes the ability and right to do something instead of the power to accomplish it. Power is the, the needful strength to do it. But the authority, exousia, is the right to be able to do it. This is what it's talking about. The sovereignty of the Father is perfect and has kept certain things secret. That he alone knows. Listen to Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. In the context of that, as God has just told that Israel would apostatize from God, but he would always bring back a remnant. And the context of this is, even though it may seem impossible, it's none of your business how God will do it. God will do it. You understand? <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. That bother you? But let, let's get caught up in what we do know. No man knows the day or the hour of his coming. Listen to Matthew 24, 36. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Mark 13, 32 says the same thing. Paul writing to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. He says, but concerning the times, chronos, and the seasons, kairos. Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as what? As a thief in the night. Listen to me. The rapture and the second coming are both said to be as a thief in the night. Unexpected. The rapture, we don't know. The second coming, people don't believe it. If you're at home, you don't believe you're going to get broken into. Guess what? You're going to be shocked. Second Peter 3.10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away which with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And of course, that's at the end of the thousand years we've seen. So the day of the Lord encompasses from the rapture to the end of the thousand year reign as we've seen in our study of Ezekiel. The believer is to be living for Jesus, depending on Jesus and pointing people to Jesus, not trying to figure out the coming of Jesus. Be careful of that. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, clarifying though the day of the Lord will come unexpected, the thing we are expected to do is witness of him in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, today's Simple Truth study is titled, The Apostles' Last Meeting with Jesus, and copies are available on CD for just $4. Now, having your own copy is a handy way to study Scripture more in depth and at your own pace, but also a convenient way to pass on to someone else you might know. Now, again, that title, The Apostles' Last Meeting with Jesus. Request yours today by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station, however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 